Today's text from the book of Mark, Jesus and the disciples go on a long journey together by foot. When they get to their destination, Jesus asks, what were you arguing about while we were walking? There's silence. Everyone's too embarrassed to say anything because they were arguing about which disciple was the most important. And the disciples don't learn their lesson. Just a few chapters later, two of the disciples, James and John, come to Jesus in private and say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you to do. We can imagine Jesus rolling his eyes here. He says, How about you tell me what you have in mind first? The brothers say, We want you to promise us when you become king that we can be your second in command. We can sit on either side of your throne when you reign in glory. The other disciples hear of the request and they get angry because that's what they wanted. They were too timid to ask. Throughout the Bible, the disciples are always jockeying for status. Everyone wants to be Jesus' favorite, the most important disciple, or at least be one step up from whoever's sitting next to them. And we're really not that much different from the disciples today. We might have gotten a little bit more subtle, but we haven't improved as a species. We all move through social and professional contexts where there are hierarchies. At any given elementary school, some parents maybe are a little more popular, a little more influential. Any work situation... There are usually a couple of people who have the boss's ear and are moving up a little faster than the people next to them. In a group of friends, maybe one or two people are more sought after than the others. We live in a world that is very concerned with status, a world that in a hundred ways is asking the disciples' question, who is the greatest? And so naturally, we live in that world, We want people to think we're smart and we're interesting and we're good-looking and we have it all together, and so we're careful about what we wear, what car we drive, what pictures we put on Instagram. We carefully manage our image to signal our status to other people, to signal to other people where we stand. That's normal and human. There's nothing sinister about it. At least I, I hope not. I spent... 20 minutes deciding what to wear today, and I have a robe on on top of it. (laughs) The disciples worried about this stuff 2,000 years ago, and of course we still do today. What's interesting is Jesus' response to the disciples' concern about status, to their concern about who is the greatest. He sits down, gathers all the disciples around him, and says, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And a few chapters later, Jesus says to them, You know, among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them, but it must not be so among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave of all. I read that in the 9 a.m. service, and a five-year-old looked at me and said, that that doesn't make sense. (laughs) 
And I got to the end of the sermon, and she's like, still no, still no. But Jesus tells the disciples, if you look at the world around you, you can tell who has status because the people that have power use it. They make sure you know who's in charge, who has the most money, who has the most status. But it must not be so among you. Among you, Jesus says, this is going to go a different way. The highest on the totem pole, the greatest person in this community is going to be the one who is most able to sincerely love and care for and serve other people. That's how that community was going to decide who was the most successful. Jesus says, if you want to be great, learn how to serve. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. What does Jesus mean by servant? The word that Jesus uses for servant is diakonos, the root of our word deacon. It originally referred to someone who serves at the table. We might call them today the waiter, the waitress. It's the person who makes the meal happen by bringing the food to the table, refilling the glasses, cleaning up spills, offering seconds, doing whatever it takes so that people who are eating can enjoy the meal, so that their needs can be met. The server, along with the cooks or anyone else involved in the meal, puts aside his or her needs for an hour or two in order to offer a meal to others. They work so that those who are eating can focus on the meal and on their connection to other people at the table. If you've ever worked in a restaurant kitchen or if you've ever cleaned up after dinner church, you know that some of what servers do is monotonous and unpleasant. But still, servers don't draw attention to themselves. The meal isn't about them. They pull back and focus for a time on responding to the needs of those at the table. And that's a great image for what Jesus means by servanthood. Being a servant doesn't mean ignoring our own needs or desires. That's a recipe for ending up angry and resentful. But it does mean being willing and able to temporarily put ourselves aside in order to focus on someone else, in order to create a space where they can be fed. God is the one that actually provides the food. We're just trying to help make that connection. And that's an important piece. A server's job is to make sure the people at the table get fed. If you ask your waiter or waitress to come to your house and do some light vacuuming, I would hope they would say no. In the same way, serving other people doesn't mean doing whatever they want. It doesn't mean responding positively to unreasonable requests or being taken advantage of. It means doing what you can within boundaries with God's help to meet their deepest needs. Maybe it's watching someone's children so that they can take a walk. Maybe it's visiting someone who's sick or calling someone who's having a hard time. Maybe it's writing a letter to your congressman about affordable housing. Maybe it's cleaning up a beach so that other people can find joy there. There are a thousand ways to serve. But they all boil down to being able to put ourselves aside for a moment and focus on feeding someone else. When Jesus says, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all, he's inviting us to do some hard work. But he's also inviting us to do the only thing that will really make us happy. Jesus is inviting us to stop playing the game. He says we can give up. We can quit trying to control how other people see us. 
quit trying to meet the world's expectations, give up on trying to be the most competent, smartest, the most well-liked. No one wins that game. It's never over. Instead, Jesus invites us to become the servant of all, to move our focus to caring for other people, not doing what they want, but serving them, having compassion for them, listening, loving, making sure they get fed. Jesus is inviting us to get, let go of the things that are never going to make us happy in exchange for something that really can. As he says earlier in Mark, those who lose their life for my sake will find it. It's in losing our lives that we find them. It's in giving that we find our truest joy. So that's how those who put themselves last end up being first after all. They find what they were looking for, not in seeking greatness, but in serving others. And being a servant doesn't necessarily mean doing some enormous dramatic thing. I think sometimes we have the idea that if we're not Mother Teresa, it's not worth trying. It can instead be a life of small things done with care for others. Doing dishes, switching the laundry, listening to the story for the 50th time. And the happiest people I know are those who live lives of quiet and loving service. It's really hard. I fail at it every day. But even when it's hard, as Christians, our call is to try to become the servants of all. And in doing that, to find a joy that we never would have imagined. Amen.